This is Right From The Deep. I'm Karen Ball. And I'm Erin Taylor-Young. And this is the podcast from writers for writers, answering the question, why am I doing this? Right. As writers, editors, and a former literary agent, we're in the deep with you, encouraging you and equipping you to find your truest story in the deep places. Get our show notes and more, including a free audio download on how to safeguard your writer's heart at writefromthedeep.com. Hey, guys. Guess what's happening at Right From The Deep? As always, thank you to our patrons on Patreon. We so appreciate you. You guys help make this podcast possible. And many, 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 many thanks to our May Sponsor of the Month, Priscilla Shero. She's working on her memoir called Bunked. Life, Love, and Laughter with Traumatic Brain Injury, which will release with Redemption Press. Learn more about Priscilla at her website, PriscillaShero.com, P-R-I-S-C-I-L-L-A-S-H-A-R-R-O-W.com, and follow her blog for the TBI slash PTSD community. Thank you, Priscilla. (laughs) And it's my turn for the wonder this week. And I'll tell you guys, when Alan and I bought this house, one of my favorite things was the backyard, the trees. I love trees. And the deck and the big windows we have that overlook the deck in the backyard. And even better, the deck came with furniture (laughs) so I could sit on the deck. Well, we did know that um, there was some wood rot on the deck that was going to have to be dealt with. And, well, alas, the time came for us (laughs) to deal with it. (laughs) And sadly, it turned out because of the extensiveness of the wood rot and the way it was connected to the house and blah de blah um, we had to rip the whole thing down and start again. And that was painful and awful. And I hated it. But I'll tell you, once we got all that furniture off and there was this lattice work that was on the side as kind of a sunscreen, which we really didn't need, which we didn't realize, you know, that we didn't need. And there were all the slats on the deck and everything. And once it was all gone, lo and behold, my beautiful view became beautifuler. <laughs> yes, that is my word. <laughs> and it just, it was glorious. And then we put the new deck on and we were able to find a way to use um cable for the railing. And oh, my goodness, the view is like a million, kabillion times better. And I have to tell you, you know, I was whining, you know, oh, I got to tear it down and change and blah, blah, blah. I just, I didn't even realize how much of the view was blocked. We didn't even put all the furniture back on, (laughs) you know, we just didn't even think about it. And it's, it's like so much better. And I love how that happens, how God does these things with us. Something that looks like a tragedy, got to rip off that deck, turns into something glorious that we never could have imagined. And it's, it's just even a better gift now than it was before. And I'm, I'm so thankful. It's such a wonder how God does that. Look in your life at something that might be sad or bothering you or doesn't look like anything good is going to come. I bet you guys somewhere, some way, somehow you will see how God is going to make it into something better, building something better in us and through us. And that's a wonder. And now here's here's the the show. Welcome listeners. Welcome into the deep with us. We're glad that you're here. 
In episode 189, part one on the writer's psalm, which we've dubbed Psalm 42, the writer's psalm, we ended with the truth that emotions have a way of ebbing and flowing. How often have you felt down one day thinking like, it's time to hang up the keyboard, and the next day you wonder why on earth you were so depressed or despondent? (laughs) And no, that doesn't mean you're bipolar. It simply means you're experiencing the normal emotional ebb and flow of being a writer. And, you know, just when we think we've dealt with those emotions that are pulling us down, something else happens, as it did with David, because this is what he goes into. My heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. I walked among the crowds of worshipers, leading a great procession to the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks amid the sound of great celebration. (laughs) Well, there you go. Another of Satan's tactics, encouraging us to focus on the rear view mirror. Amen. If you guys have been in publishing for a while, and especially if you experienced some success, and you know, that success seems far too long ago, the enemy loves to come and whisper in your ear about how it used to be. Remember how things were when you first started? How exciting it all was, how the newness of writing and being published had you waking to each day with anticipation, maybe even joy. Remember how you felt so fulfilled? Well, that's all gone now. So what was the point? You've wasted time and money that should have been used, blah, 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 blah. (laughs) The tactic, guys, is so very effective, isn't it? I mean, especially with the changes happening in publishing over the last several years, it does often seem so much harder now. Maybe some of us have lost contracts, or most of us, or all of us, or we can't seem to find someone who wants to give us a new contract, or maybe we decide to go indie, but that, we discover, has its own big pile of difficulties, and we're just like, oh, why can't it be like it was? Oh, friends, remember how we warned you against comparing yourself to others? Well, comparing where you are now to where you used to be, letting that comparison stir up a sense of defeat and discouragement, longing for what was, guys, that doesn't help with what is, not ever. So when you're tempted to do that, instead, Go with the next several verses of Psalm 42 and say with David, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Did you catch what he did there, guys? Acknowledging who God is. That's what he did. And it's in there. And it's a powerful weapon against Satan's lies. So please, every day, Every time you feel that enemy tickling your ears and your spirit, ask yourself one question because the answer, the answer will send the enemy and his forces away. Here's the question. Who is God to me? Is he Elohim, the one and only true God, the master creator? No one is more trustworthy. No one else is sovereign. There is no other God but him. Is he Jehovah Rohi, the Lord, my shepherd, the one who watches over me, guarding me from all enemies, who fights to save me from predators like Satan, whose staff will always guide and protect me? Is he Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, my provider, the one who meets all my needs, no matter what they are, the one who has never let his own go hungry or be lost, 
the one who provided us with a way to escape sin and death? Or is he Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, my healer? God told Moses right out, I am the Lord who heals you. He will heal you on every front in his time, in his way. He will heal you of being downcast. Just keep your eyes and heart on him. Is he Jehovah Nissi, the Lord, my banner? He is the visible God who is seen in our lives. He is the sign to all, especially Satan, that we belong to him, God. As our banner, God lets everyone know he is with us, our protection and shield. And they will try to do us harm at their own spiritual and eternal peril. Remember Isaiah 54, 17, no weapon formed against you shall succeed. Maybe he's Jehovah and Kadesh, the Lord, my sanctifier. God makes me holy. I don't do that. I can't do that. But Jehovah and Kadesh has already done it. He has given us his Holy Spirit for that very reason. How do you disperse being downcast? Come before him and ask for more holiness. Ask for the strength to see past what seems to be until your vision matches his and you know what is and what will be in him. Is he Jehovah Shalom, the Lord, my peace? Strong's Concordance tells us that shalom means completeness, soundness, welfare. When the Lord is our peace, we are complete. We are sound in him, not to be shaken. Our welfare is in his hands. What better place could it be? Is he Jehovah Tzidkenu, the Lord who is righteous? It's frightening for, for a lot of us to even think about being attacked by Satan and his followers. But you guys, there is no reason for fear, not when we're covered in the Lord's holy righteousness, not when Jehovah Sitkenu holds us in his righteous hands and his holiness is an impenetrable barrier between us and the ruler of this world. Remember, guys, that's a ruler who is already, already defeated by God's righteousness. Hallelujah. Or is he Jehovah Shammah, the Lord who is there? Oh, how I love this one. My Lord is here with me, whether I feel it or not, whether my emotions recognize it or not. The God of the universe is with me. He's near to you even now. He's ever present. You are never alone. Not ever. So let's pick up with Psalm 42 again, finishing verse 6. David says, now I am deeply discouraged, but I will remember you. Even from distant Mount Hermon, the source of the Jordan, from the land of Mount Mazar. (laughs) So look at that, you guys. This is good news. Being downcast is temporary. When David says, now I am deeply discouraged, he doesn't stop there. He goes on to say, but I will remember you. Being downcast is a feeling, an emotion, and feelings or emotions change. They may last for a few hours or days or even a season, but it's only a matter of time until it passes. And keep in mind that emotions, even unwanted ones like being downcast, have significance and purpose. Otherwise, why would God have even given them to us? Why did he make them? You know, having an underlying sense of sadness of being downcast, that can be a trigger for you to realize something is not quite right. It helps to explore the root of those emotions. And then when we understand what we're feeling and why, then we can take steps to feel better. 
You know, a few weeks ago, I was moping around the house. Don, my hubby, asked me what was wrong. And I, I just kind of had to think about it. And I looked at him and said, I'm depressed. Now, I wasn't talking about true depression, like clinical depression. But what I meant was I was feeling downcast, like something just wasn't quite right. We talked it through and I realized we've had so many gray, rainy days lately. Where I lived in Southern Oregon, we had some rain, but we had a lot of sunshine. Up here in Washington, there's a reason they call it the Emerald State, guys. It rains all the time. So Don and I have always turned off lights if we're not in a room because why pay for electricity that isn't needed? But as we talked, I realized I was missing sunshine and light. So we agreed that when the days are gray on a consistent basis, we'll keep more lights on and we'll pull open the window blinds to let in as much light as possible. Within a few days, I was back to being cheerful, <laughs> laughing at the antics of the birds and squirrels in my yard and savoring God's goodness. That's cool. But of course, not all causes of being downcast are easy to discern. So ask God to open your eyes to why you're feeling as you are. Sometimes you can make changes to lift the gloom, but other times you need to wait on God to release you from those emotions. Whatever the case, though, it's temporary. Sometimes it lasts for days. Again, like we said, sometimes it lasts for a season, but it will pass. I kind of saw that illustrated when Don and I recently visited Friday Harbor on San Juan Island. On the ferry ride to the island, I was fascinated by all the currents and swirls and whitecaps on the surface of the waters of the Puget Sound. It was so strange. You'd look out and you'd see smooth and then little whitecaps and little whirlpools. I couldn't help but wonder what was beneath the waters that was causing all these different actions. Were, were there orcas having a party down there? <laughs> or was it caused by some fish or whale? Or could it just be a difference in water temperature in the different depths? I didn't know. But here's what I love about taking a look at this and thinking about it. Whatever the underlying cause, the ferry just kept gliding along on the surface, not the least bothered. It just kept moving forward. That vessel was built to ride the surface and keep going. Just remember, times of being downcast are often based on how things seem to be, or even worse, wondering what's happening until you grow afraid that maybe, just maybe, God has left you on your own. But the reality is, while we may not know where God is leading us or why, what we do know without a doubt is that he is leading us. And these downcast feelings will pass in the light of his truth. You know, David even started to understand that with the next verse, verse 7. I hear the tumult of the raging seas as your waves and surging tides sweep over me. But each day the Lord pours his unfailing love upon me. And through each night I sing his songs praying to God who gives me life. I love this. In this moment, David's soul is not downcast. It's focused on God, on praising and worshiping him. When you struggle, take hold of two of the most powerful tools in your arsenal, praise and worship. We've talked about praise and worship on other podcasts, but let's just you know, review a few quick things here. God is the only one worthy of true praise. And the praise we give God isn't like praising someone for like doing a good job or something. It's based, it's not based on what we think of God. It is based on who God is. 
Webster's defines praise as a number of things, you know, commending excellence or expressing approval, honoring others. But the praise due to God is different. In fact, that praise gets this definition from Webster's, the act of glorifying God. Oh, and here are a few of the definitions of glorify, to make glorious, to surround with glory, secure honor, praise, and admiration for, to exalt to a state of glory, to throw a resplendent light upon, to make splendid with light. Resplendent. I love that word. It just <laughs> kind of fills your mouth and it, it means lustrous. It means shining with brilliant light. Imagine entering a darkened room and then somebody turns on a bunch of large, sparkling chandeliers. I've actually seen that, and the glorious beauty of it is almost a shock. It takes your breath away, and then it fills you with delight. It's amazing. Now think, how much more resplendent is God? How much more glorious, how much more worthy than anything or anyone of our praise and worship? Yeah, remember, like, even in the Old Testament, when Moses wanted to see God's glory, God, I mean, he couldn't, he like, couldn't handle it, because God was so glorious. God had to like, shield him and show him his back. It just gives me chills. Like, that's how glorious God is. When you find yourself slipping into being downcast, jump instead into praise and worship. Think about his gloriousness and the sparkling chandeliers. (laughs) Here's a a great verse, a couple of great verses. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. That's 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4. And here's Hebrews 13, 15. Through Jesus, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. Amen. And then there's this verse, Isaiah 25, which talk about a howitzer. This thing is amazing. (laughs) Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you and praise your name for in perfect faithfulness, you have done wonderful things, things planned long ago. You've been a refuge for the poor, a refuge for the needy in their distress, a shelter from the storm and a shade from the heat. For the breath of the ruthless is like a storm driving against a wall and like the heat of the desert. You silence the uproar of foreigners and, guys, critical readers and reviewers and naysayers. (laughs) As heat is reduced by the shadow of a cloud, so the song of the ruthless is stilled. Mm. Did you catch that? The song of the ruthless. You know, we like to think that the enemy's voice will be easily recognized because of the way it's so full of evil. <laughs> but remember that Satan is the, dece- the deceiver. Like he will seem to sing to you, to woo you with a refrain of all you deserve but aren't getting. You know, the ruthless one will sing condemnation with a voice of an angel in the words of trickery. Do not be fooled. Isaiah 25 goes on. On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meals and the finest of wines. On this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheep that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. 
The sovereign Lord will wipe away all the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. In that day, they will say, surely this is our God. We trusted in him and he saved us. This is the Lord. We trusted in him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. Love it. Remember that old saying, God said, and I believe it. God has said, you are precious to him. Believe it. God has said he will never leave you or forsake you. Believe it. God has said he loves you so much. He has sent his beloved son to die for us, to restore us to himself. Believe it. Friends, if God has said you're a writer, then God has spoken. Believe it. Yes. Now, let's get back to David. His downcast state isn't over yet, because right on the heels of Psalm 42, verses 7 and 8, comes verse 9. Oh, God, my rock, I cry, why have you forgotten me? <laughs> why must I wander around in grief, oppressed by my enemies? Their taunts break my bones. They scoff. Where is this God of yours? See? Same old tactics, mockery, unrealized expectations, taunting. How often have you had people say things like, if God is real, why is the world in such a mess? Why are so many people starving and suffering? Where is this God of yours when nations attack nations, slaughtering innocents? If your God is so great, why aren't you on the bestseller list? Why aren't you having movies made of your books? If God is so wonderful and loving, why did this person I love die an agonizing death? If God cares about me, why do I have cancer? Yeah. Let's face it. There are a lot of reasons to doubt God exists. Lots of reasons for people to mock us and our faith. Lots of reasons to doubt God and us. And the enemy takes advantage of the most punishing reasons to derail us from doing whatever task God has given us. Good night. Satan doesn't want us doing God's work. He doesn't want us ignoring him and just trusting God. Satan is so determined to get us downcast that he uses those around us. He does. Even those who know us best to taunt, mock, and undermine us in doing the work God has given us. Because when we fall prey to all that, when we become downcast, we can't see what God's doing. We're not looking at him. All the hard, negative things around us are so much more obvious and, and sometimes so much more captivating. We can't look away from them. But God, he works in the background, even in silence, which seems counterintuitive to us. I mean, he's God. With all that power and glory, why isn't everyone seeing everything he's doing? But remember, when Moses went up on the mountain to meet with God, how did God speak to him? In a still, small voice. You see, that's the thing with true power. It doesn't have to blare its existence. It doesn't have to prove itself. It just is. God's power is there, and it's working for the good of all his children and for you. So as we come to the end of Psalm 42, it seems David has learned that as soon as he heads back into being downcast, here comes the solution truth. Verse 11, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. I love that. My Savior and my God. Say those words, guys. My Savior and my God. 
Our hope is in him, our joy and fulfillment and peace and wonder and everything we need and could ever want. It is all in him. Amen. And it seems like the perfect response to that particular truth is Psalm 146. Praise the Lord. Let all that I am praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God with my dying breath. Don't put your confidence in powerful people like publishers and editors, reviewers, sales teams, readers. None of those people deserve your confidence. Only God does. Don't put your confidence in powerful people. There is no help for you there. When they breathe their last, they return to the earth and all their plans die with them. But joyful are those who have the God of Israel as their helper, whose hope is in the Lord their God. He made heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them. He keeps every promise forever. He gives justice to the oppressed and food to the hungry. The Lord frees the prisoners. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are weighed down. Guys, are you downcast now? Let God lift you up. Or the next time you start to feel downcast, put your hands up to him like a toddler puts her hands up to her daddy to be lifted up. God is there. He will restore you. The Lord lifts up those who are weighed down. The Lord loves the godly. The Lord will reign forever. He will be your God throughout the generations. Praise the Lord. Amen. And amen. Thanks for joining us today. You can find previous episodes and more resources at rightfromthedeep.com. And I bet you know someone who needs this podcast, so please share it with them. So until next time, embrace the deep. Your writing and your life will never be the same. Mm-hmm.